Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and if you are brand new to this show, this show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering where I talk about random, insane, inane things about Magic the Gathering and where I ramble on a lot about certain topics as well as I like to have content creators, pro players, and cosplayers on sometimes to just interview them and just, you know, sort of shoot the breeze and talk about whatever the heck it is we want. And yeah, so I'm trying something a little bit different here this week. Um, everybody in audio land, which is the majority of my audience, I'm also going to be recording the video as well too so it's gonna be a little bit awkward because i'm gonna have to be constantly staring at a camera the whole time so you can look at me act and act like i'm seeing you with the eye contact and all that stuff so um i guess before we begin let's get some announcements out of the way uh zuby is gonna be scheduled to be at grand prix atlanta from atlando I can't, I can't say that name. It's like every single time I try to record this, I can't say it. Grand Prix Orlando from August 10th through the 12th and Grand Prix Atlanta from November 2nd through the 4th. Uh, Magic Zuby can be found on the following iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, as well as YouTube.com if you just search Magic Zuby or it's... What was it youtube.com slash Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N? I think that's what my custom URL is because I've had that channel since 2005, which, holy crap, that's 13 years now. Wow. Um, and, um, yeah, so, yeah, oh, oh also, if you want to help support the show, um, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzubi. And we are also sponsored by Legit MTG. If you are needing any kind of singles or sealed product and you want free shipping, uh, any order over $2 or more does give you free shipping. So definitely take advantage of that offer. And um, then we're also sponsored by Manatraders.com. Manatraders.com. If you play a lot of events on Magic Online and you're tired of having to buy new singles and keep constantly staying up with the latest decks and meta, uh, Manatraders.com definitely helps out with alleviate some of those costs where you can rent the decks you want for a certain amount of time. If you just need to rent it for a day, you know, why drop 100 tickets on a certain standard deck, right? So you just rent it, you pay a monthly fee, and with that, if you use promo code MTGZUBI, you get 15% off your first three months. That's MTGZUBI, M-T-G-Z-U-B-Y, for your savings today. So let's get the rest of the ads out of the way here. He's Tim. And he's Harry. And we're about to turn paper sideways. Turn Paper Sideways is a fortnightly podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering, from current affairs to our favourite format, Commander. Join us as we break down new decks, review new sets, and discuss new and old strategies. Find us on your podcast app, on YouTube, and on soundcloud.com forward slash Sideways. You can also find us on Twitter, at TPSMTG. Cheerio! Let me ask you a question. Have you been living the Tier 2 life to the fullest? Welcome to Fission, a podcast where we discuss a deck with pun potential that's off the scales. From deck techs to sideboard guides to gameplay videos and in-depth Dirk Diggler speculation, there is guaranteed to be something for you. So look for Fission, a merfolk podcast wherever you find your podcasts and at FissionMTG on all the social media sites. We'll see you on the net. Beep. <laughs>
Man, I wish there were others who liked retro video games like me. Did I hear someone say retro video games? I heard it too, Matt. Well, if you're a fan of retro video games as well as gaming in general, you need to listen to the VCR Gaming Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Oh god, my house! Alright, so some of the topics we're going to be talking about today is, um, first one on the list is banner restricted announcement, and then next we are going to be talking about the Silver Showcase and some of the controversy behind it because some of the pro players are up in arms about it, and I'm going to give some of my thoughts about it and some thoughts of being a pro Magic player because after talking with a lot of pro players and on the show and offline as well too i've got a lot to say about being a pro magic player um especially lately but uh before we get into that let's get into this banned and restricted announcement here so if you're a legacy player and you like playing grix's delver or even four color delver um this ban definitely hits you hard uh because because death Rite shaman and gataxian probe are banned now and I mean, I'm not really that surprised about Deathrite Shaman. I'm more surprised about Cataxian Probe. And I understand why it was banned because, let's just be honest, Phyrexian Mana is broken. All right. It's. Cataxian Probe was a card you could literally play in any kind of deck, even a non blue deck, since you can pay two life with it. And it's just. It's so good. It's. I'm kind of frustrated that card is banned more than Deathrite Shaman because Deathrite Shaman had it coming. And it's um, oh man, I think I think it's even restricted in vintage, isn't it? Um, here, let me, let me take a look at it, and we're coming up with some very awesome radio here. Let's look at vintage. In vintage, Gitaxian probe is restricted in vintage. So yeah, um, I guess I'm not too surprised then that Gitaxian probe got banned because it's even restricted in vintage. Jesus, Phyrexian mana was such an awesome idea, but such a mistake in the long run. It's just been so good. It's it's been too good. Um, but Deathrite Shaman, my little one mana planeswalker. Um, so I mainly play Legacy Elves and Legacy. And even though this does hit the deck, it doesn't hurt it that much. I mean, I guess I still need the black because of the surgical extractions and what thought seizes and cabal therapies that I play in the sideboard as well. So you can't exactly get rid of the black here. Now, we can substitute, you know, Lanawar Elves or Elvish Mystics for the time being until someone thinks of something else. And yeah... So, I know for a while you don't really see Snapcaster Mage in Legacy because of Deathrite Shaman, since it can exile any target card from, but not any target, well, yeah, yeah, it can basically exile any card from a library, Um, and so Snapcaster Mage wasn't played that much, so... I, if I had to guess here, the Grixis Delver decks in Legacy are going to be more like the Grixis Delver decks of Modern, which are going to be, you know, you have your Delvers, Snapcaster Mage, and, you know, Gurmog Angler, and whoever else. Maybe even Tassiger. Maybe Tassiger will come back in Legacy. Who knows? Um, but, 
yeah, this does mark a major shift in the meta for Legacy. Um, this is going to make a lot of decks wide open here. And who knows, maybe it'll make the format even bigger because let's, I mean, let's be honest here. Grixis Delver and Four Color Delver were the boogeymen of the format. There were so many of them. Now, I didn't think the Delver decks were as oppressive as, say, Miracles was when Legacy was going around with that. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, does this really affect me in terms of my Legacy play? A little bit because of Legacy Elves. And, um, yeah. It's... I, I mean, I don't know what else to really say here. It, it sucks. I mean, and I was in the process of building Grixis Delver for Legacy, and the only thing I needed were the duels and Force of Wills, you know, because Underground Sea, it's only, it's only almost $1,000. So, you know, I'm sure my wife wouldn't be that mad if she, you know, saw me spend $1,000 on a single card. And l let me look up what um, Underground Sea is going for right now. Because that's just ridiculous. If I had to, if I just had to guess here, oh, oh, it's only, oh, it's actually gone down a little bit. Uh, the revised edition has gone down to as low as five hundred dollars, but for damaged ones, for near mint, it's about eight hundred. You know, it's not too bad, All right? You know, the beta ones are about three grand right now. And alpha, forget that. That's like seven to eight grand. So yeah, uh, probably not going to be building that Grixis Delver deck anytime soon. Probably never. And that was another thing I forgot to put on my list of topics here. Um, I'll, I'll get into that. I'll get into my little announcement after that. But um, so yeah, the, none of the other formats got touched. Um, a lot of people thought Stoneforge Mystic was going to be unbanned in Modern, and they were completely wrong. And that. Spur was probably brought on by some MTG finance person thinking they can make a quick buck, and they probably did. You know, hey, good for them. They, they figured it out. And a lot of people were surprised that Goblin Chain Whirler was not banned, and we talked about that in a previous episode that I don't think it needs to be banned because we don't know what the meta is going to be like when M19 comes out. It could be drastically different when it comes out. Um... I mean, Mono Red is still going to be really powerful, but with the rotation coming up in October, a lot of the powerful red cards are going to be going away. So Mono Red isn't going to be as strong. I really think Goblins is going to make a comeback come Ravnica because of there's so many other good Goblin cards out there right now. And, you know, we even got Goblin Warchief, but I, I talked about that before. So, yeah, I mean... A lot of people were probably disappointed that Goblin Chain Whirler wasn't banned, but you know what? Good. I'm glad it's not banned. Let let it keep happening. Let let the magic keep going. So um yeah, just another little announcement before I get into the silver showcase here. The I've been really thinking about this a lot, and I'm probably gonna be taking a step back from standard modern legacy. So I may not be talking about it as much. Um, I'm still going to try to watch any tournaments I can. I haven't been watching tournaments as much lately. I've just really been catching the top eight decks and seeing what's really being played out there to see if anything kind of catches my eye, you know. And um, I think just for now, I'm probably going to be sticking with Limited and EDH. Uh, maybe some Popper here and there, but um, I th think a lot of it has to do with I just can't keep up with it. 
I mean, doing this podcast and especially just life in general right now, you know, I've got two podcasts that I do. I got this one in VCR gaming as well as everything else I do in life. I've got a full-time career, you know, wife, kids and all that. I just can't honestly keep up with the constructed formats and spending the money for it as well too, because a lot of it is just money down the drain. And I stopped all kind of hope of ever becoming a really major competitive player. I tried a couple years ago, especially when I first started this podcast of trying to become a competitive player, but now it's just to the point where I can't keep up with it. And, you know, I was spending so much money. I mean, my, the amount of money I've spent this year has gone drastically down compared to the amount of money I've been spending in the, you know, 2015, 16, 17. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's not worth it, especially if you're going to be more casual like I've, I'm becoming. What's the point of having top-tier standard decks all the time? What's the point of having top-tier modern decks or even legacy decks? I mean, I know my legacy deck, Legacy Elves, isn't top-tier, but, you know, I spent a lot of money on that, even though Guy's Cradle was much, much, much cheaper by the time I finally got them. But it's just, that's still a lot of money, you know? And... It's especially my modern deck, my Grixis Delver modern deck. I spent a lot of money on that. And same thing, that took me a long time to build up. And it's just getting to the point where it's like, it's not worth it. And I have more fun playing EDH and draft and sealed than I do with regular constructed, you know, formats right now. I'm not going to be taking apart my modern deck, especially. I may take apart Legacy Elves. I mean, I don't know. I, I may keep it because of Grand Prix. Orlando and Atlanta coming up, you know, if I'm, if I do get a part of the spell, if I do become a part of the spell singing events, I will, you know, definitely bring those decks and play them with you. I do know that I am 99% sure I'm going to be part of the spell singing event in Grand Prix Atlanta, Orlando, if I can say the name correctly. And, um, so yeah, it's, I, I guess that's just my little announcement. This, I may be going more towards EDH and limited and oh oh that's another thing I forgot to mention um another little update so I ran a little poll online just to ask you know hey would you want me to do full set reviews and I talk about it and I'm still trying to figure out the logistics of how I'm going to release those episodes because having probably one three hour episodes that no one is really going to listen to the entire way maybe a few people will because they're crazy um and I got an overwhelming positive answer of yes do it um 72 percent out of the people who voted out of almost 40 people voted and i even got some feedback online that hey start doing videos for this as well and that's this part of the reason why i'm doing a video of this podcast as well too because you know it's even though i i mean i don't really get a lot of good views on my youtube channel for the episodes I put up because they're all audio. So I figured, let me try a few video episodes and maybe do a little bit of editing, but not too crazy and see what you guys like and go from there. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to be doing full set reviews. And like I said, I may just be releasing the episodes, you know, one at a time, maybe that week of right before the pre-release, I just released one episode a day or something like that, you know, do one episode for each color and then one episode for the multicolor and the land and the artifacts as well, too. And, um, we, I, I, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll figure it out from there. And, um, 
Yeah, so I feel like that's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, so we're going to be doing full set episodes. Um, I may start with a little bit of practice with Commander 2018 coming up. And I'm super excited about that. I've already pre-ordered it. And it's going to be at my door the day it comes out. Hopefully, maybe a few days after it comes out. I don't know, however long the mail takes. And so I may just be doing reviews reviews of the decks, at least. So um, when it comes to the full set reviews, the... I guess the the way that I'm going to go about it is more towards the EDH and limited capacity of it. I definitely need to get be I need to be playing more limited because I love limited. All right, it's it's such a fun format and I just don't get enough of it and it stinks because people around in my area just don't play it enough. It's too much constructed and I did have an LGS that was almost an hour about little less than an hour away from me that did close and i have mentioned on the podcast before my favorite lgs in the area where they did play a lot of limited it was more limited than constructed some nights and that's where i cut my teeth on in terms of the actual lgs play was limited and i miss it i miss it a lot and yeah so m19 pre-release is this weekend as this episode comes out and i'm probably not going to be playing because i don't there's really no stores nearby that are going to be having it and that sucks and i don't really want to travel you know almost two hours to go to a a decent store because it's just not worth it i don't know maybe I, i i'm still i'm still debating about it um so yeah that is my little announcement i'm going to be doing full set reviews and i'm going to be taking a step back in terms of the more popular formats of magic focusing more on edh and limited that's not to say that i'm never going to go back to standard modern legacy no i'll still play them here and there but i'm not gonna focus on it too much if that makes sense like hey and when i'm doing these full set reviews if there's a card that comes out that hey that's definitely modern legacy playable yeah i'll talk about it of course obviously i'm not just gonna completely ignore it and act like those formats don't exist and then plus i do want to get more into my cube as well too i actually played my cube um the other day and you know played with two relatively newer players and they had a ton of fun and um we actually booster drafted the cube and i ended up building a naya red white and green deck and yeah, I managed to draft Archangel Avison and Bruna and Gisela from Shadows Over Innistrad. And yeah, I <laughs> if Mark from Life Begins at 20 is listening to this, white still seems a little bit good. But I will say part of the overpoweredness with white was a little bit of my fault because I didn't I didn't shuffle the the booster packs enough. And so when we were doing, and since it was only three people, I, no one was really picking white and I was picking a lot of the really powerful white cards, obviously. And then green and red were more the support, support colors more than anything. Um, rummaging goblin in my cube. Oh my God. Rummaging goblin in general is just broken and limited. Um, love it. But yeah, so that's my little announcement and let's get on talking about the silver showcase here. All right here. Okay, so Wizards just recently announced a, another little tournament, and by little I mean a $150,000 tournament that is going to be going on during the Pro Tour 25th anniversary, and it is going to be a Ro- Rochester draft of Beta, Arabian Nights, and Antiquities, and Legends. Um, and they've invited eight people, 
and four of those people are well-known magic pros. Uh, they are Raphael Levy. Um, I'm going to mess up some of these names, I guarantee it. Um, Shuhei Nakamura, uh, John Finkel, and Paulo Vitor Damo de Rosa. Try saying that fast. Paulo Vitor Damo de Rosa. Ugh, I can I can say it. And but they're also inviting four other really. Some of these people have been known to play Magic, but a lot of them don't really play Magic anymore and play pretty much Hearthstone for the most part. Um, they are Brian Keebler, which is a he's a well-known Magic pro. He is in the Hall of Fame, but he doesn't really play Magic seriously anymore. He's definitely more of the Hearthstone. And then there is also Stanislav Sifka. Um, he he did win Pro Tour, returned to Ravnica, and but he doesn't really play uh, Magic anymore either. He's definitely more on Hearthstone. And then there is David Williams. He has been playing the Pro Tour, but I guess now he's saying he's a competitive poker player and a runner-up in the seventh season of Fox's MasterChef. That's pretty cool. And then Jason Chan, who is better known as Amaz, who is one of the more popular Hearthstone streamers. And so a lot of people have been up in arms about it because it's, um, you know, they didn't invite all Magic players. Um, a lot of this has to do with... Now, is this the right event to have Hearthstone players on? Um not really. And I, because, I mean, let's be honest, a Rochester draft, even though they are old packs, it's not very exciting. Those old sets back then, they're not very exciting cards because the cards nowadays are a lot, they're a lot more fun and exciting and more accessible to newer players. And these older sets just aren't as fun to watch. I mean, that beta draft that we saw during um, Grand Prix Vegas, it was a lot of fun for people like me because, you know, oh my gosh, you get to see some Power 9 or some duels and some fun cards be drafted and see, seeing some of the old strategies be drafted for people that you're trying to get into Magic. It's not the most fun or interesting kind of decks to see, right? So, um, yeah, the sun's getting in my eyes here. I don't know if I can do that. I can't really do much about nature here getting in my way but um yeah it's i'm starting to do it in the mornings usually i edit at nights and today the day that i am recording this is july 4th so if i waited till tonight um you're gonna hear fireworks because my neighborhood goes insane with fireworks um there are some people that spend some major money on fireworks in this neighborhood and, and i don't live in like a a rich neighborhood or anything like that i've just got some insane neighbors that spend a lot of money and a lot of times we'll we'll buy the you know the little fireworks set and set them off and we'll the rest of the night we'll just watch all the other neighbors because they they put some money into their fireworks they get serious about their fireworks here um it's it's an american thing and I mean, I love me some good fireworks, don't get me wrong. But um, getting back to this here, it's, yeah, the, I can understand why pro players are not happy about this, right? Because, you know, even if you lose, you essentially make how much money just for showing up? You, you'll make $12,500 just for showing up. And a lot of pros have been complaining for a while that, there's not a lot of money to be made in pro magic player to begin with. Um, people have written articles where, you know, you have to do content creation on the side, write articles, you know, do videos just to be able to make ends meet. 
because you're just playing pro magic is not going to be enough to um to sustain yourself here oh man this freaking sun here is really getting to me here um yeah sorry about that it's gonna make for an awesome video to watch as you know the sun as you see the sun rising um people in audio land are just like stop complaining about the sun no one cares um but anyways so i'm gonna be honest here is are the pros reactions justified no because this is wizards um essentially tournament and they can do what they want with it right um i'll probably i mean not probably the major reason why they're inviting these non-magic players is because a lot of them have audiences that the pro players don't and l let's just be frank and honest here people the pro players of magic the majority of them not that not that there's a select few that have audiences there the majority of them don't have an audience with them now whenever i see pro magic players stream on twitch yeah they, they have a decent you know they pull numbers i mean hey they pull more numbers than i do you know i'm lucky if i get 10 people watching me stream i get excited about that most pros that i've seen that stream you know i've seen upwards of a thousand viewers or more that is not a lot anymore when it comes to twitch you see a single hearthstone streamer gets more viewers than a pro tour going on they get 20 30,000 viewers watching them so magic wizards wants that audience to watch them and that's why they're inviting these you know non-magic players over so that said it makes perfect sense why they're not bringing in um complete pro magic players now would it have been nice for them to bring in pro magic players for this you know special rochester draft of course of course it would be um, and it is a charity draft too. I think I remember reading about that. All the cards are going to be donated, and um, yeah, all, all the cards that each player drafts will be noted to Child's Play and auctioned off later this year for charity. So good for Wizards on doing that. So they don't even get to keep the cards, e even if they were to pull a dual land or maybe a Power Nine or something really good in Arabian or Antiquities. It's they're not even going to keep it. So at least that will make for better gameplay. They're not going to have to just grab the most expensive card. So there is that at least. Um, but is the pros anger justified? Um, I really don't think so. Because as I said before, these Hearthstone streamers, they pull in more of an audience. And these pro players, a lot of them just aren't marketable. All right. Um, I was thinking about this and... I used to watch a lot of StarCraft 2 um, and StarCraft 1 before StarCraft 2 came out, you know, and a lot of the pro players in the Korean StarCraft scene, there were, you could tell stories with them, right? You know, like there was Boxer, Stork, Yellow, Jadong, um, Bisu, and a lot of them had stories you could tell because they would consistently do well. And then when it gets to the finals, it'd be like, oh, you know, so-and-so choked and you know, you, you tell exciting stories with these pro players. When it comes to Magic's, Magic's pro players, since it is so hard for a pro to consistently make the top eight of a Grand Prix or consistently make the top eight of a pro tour, you don't really get those stories because John Finkel, for instance, probably one of the most well-known Magic pro players, he could do the next pro tour, and even though he's one of the best players in the world, he could go 0-3 drop, you know? It's just what happens. 
and and that that's just the name of the magic game, you know. And Brian Brondoon did write an article, and he did he does mention that somewhere in the article where you know it is hard to follow pro magic players because there's so much variance in the game where a pro magic player will win a tournament one week and then like I said he'll go 0 and 3 the next day in some other tournament and you don't even know anything about them don't hear a thing about them so it's hard to follow those pros for each tournament now wizards has been doing a better job of trying to make stories happen in pro tours and some of the bigger gps but it's you know there's so many and and i'm not saying this is a problem but there's a lot of gps that go on where there's a no-name player that gets top eight and wins and then you never hear about them ever ever again because they just got extremely lucky or they brought the right deck to the to the um tournament that day right so yeah there there's it's hard to be invested in pros like it would be for other kind of sports um and other esports as well too starcraft's a good example uh overwatch league of legends you have your favorite teams that you know you it's easier to follow those stories with magics you you it's hard to feel that close connection because you're not really you're not even watching the player play for the most part you're watching the deck play and i'm not saying the player isn't playing the deck it's you're more focused on oh you know you want the better deck to win obviously you know people want the players to win you know the better player to win or or your favorite player to win obviously but um yeah so that's one problem with pro magic uh and the other problem is there's no money to be had in pro magic it's one of the things that magic really lacks is sponsorships and i'm not just talking about being sponsored by an lgs or one of the big name you know magic websites out there channel fireball and star city games there's no besides what i've seen with ultimate guard and ultra pro i don't see any big name sponsors for any kind of tournaments or pro tours like hey coke isn't sponsoring magic the gathering hell you know stereotypes aside i'm surprised not to see mountain dew and doritos you know sponsoring magic tournaments i mean with sponsorships comes money and with money hopefully means more prizes to be had it's a lot more exciting to watch and i've talked about this before in the podcast too it's a lot more exciting to watch if the first place prize isn't 40 grand it's you know two hundred thousand dollars but 400 grand or i mean i say 400 i mean 40,000 <laughs> 40,000 for top prize isn't as exciting as say 200 grand right and um you know like i said we we don't have those sponsorships there there's really no and how do you get those sponsorships you know wizards would have to really start wheeling and dealing in the marketing wheelhouse to get that but are the numbers even there for it to even be justified? Even StarCraft II, as much as it has fallen down the um, platform in terms of, you know, esports, because it used to be number one a long time ago, and then when League of Legends started getting popular, it went boom, went way down. Even StarCraft II still pulls in, it like Home Story Cup that just happened was pulling in 20,000 viewers maybe even more I, I don't know I, I didn't look at the viewer count but when I first started watching it was 20,000 viewers for like the semi and quarter finals you know 
And that's not even a big name tournament at all. That's not like the end of the year big Blizzard Cup tournament. That's just a really casual tournament. And it's pulling in that much where, you know, a really big Magic Grand Prix struggles to get ten to 15,000. And, and let's also be honest, Magic is not an easy game to watch. If you are not invested in Magic like we are, you don't really know what the heck is going on here. You don't, you don't know what is going on the screen. If I were to just bring my wife or child and show them, hey, watch this magic game, do you know what's going on? Nope, they don't know what's going on. But if they watch Hearthstone, they'll have a better understanding of what's going on. Now, is that going to say, now is that to say that Arena is going to fix it? Um, Possibly, but Arena, I mean, even Arena isn't, that easy to look at. I mean, Magic is still not an easy game to follow, regardless of whether it's Arena, Magic Online, or on paper. Um, but going back to another problem with Pro Magic in terms of the financial gain, there's little money to be had. If my kids came up to me and said, hey, they want to be a Pro Magic player, I would tell them, are you out of your mind? Um, I would tell them no. No, you're crazy to want to be a pro magic player now. And yeah, a lot of it has to do with money. Sure, there's, you know, I applaud people who follow their passion and can go out there weekend after weekend, go to GPs and get the pro tour, PPTQs, and get out there and have that dream of wanting to be a pro magic player. But the reality of the situation is there's no money to be had in it. And if you're going to spend all your 20s and most of your 30s being a pro magic player, what are you gaining out of that? What skills are you gaining out of that? Now, you can take a lot of those card playing skills, move them on to poker maybe. You know, in poker, hell, there's a lot of be a lot of money to be had to be playing poker, which I know some pros do play. They play poker and then they're also magic players as well too. But that's not everybody. Um now, a, a big thing is there's a big cost associated with being a pro Magic player because a lot of pros, they do borrow decks or they get cards lent to them by their sponsors or they're able to buy cards from their sponsors for a cheaper price. And, you know, and and as I was saying before, when I was saying I'm taking a step back from these formats because it's so expensive to keep up, the pros even more so because they have to not only do they have to define the meta, but they have to keep up with the meta as well, too. They have to buy the cards, borrow the cards, you know, get the cards lent to them, rent them, whatever it may be. You know, it's it's a lot of money there. And one of the other things that I see a lot of pros talking about, and Brian Brondoon also said it in that article, is, um, you know, they have to do a lot of content on the side. So you're sort of having to split your time of, do I practice for this? next tournament or do I write content or to try to pay the bills you know um, and then plus there's really no guarantee if you show up to a tournament you're gonna get paid anyway um, if you have the financial means to be a pro magic player the cost is not an issue with you go for it go do it I just worry about when I see a lot of younger magic players you know in their late teens early 20s and they're like yeah I'm gonna go be a pro magic player I just want to tell them, and they don't really have the means to do so, but it's a dream of theirs. I just sort of want to shake them and be like, no, don't do it. It's a bad, bad idea. If 
Now, you may, maybe be a part-time pro, right? Maybe part-time go to PPTQs and GPs and really try to do your best on it. There, there's no issue with that. It's you really have to think about your future. Yeah, when you're that young, you're not thinking about, oh, when you're 40, 50, 60, 70, you know, oh, that, that's forever away, right? No, you really have to focus on your future. You really have to ask yourself and take responsibility of yourself and ask yourself, what do you want to do when you grow older? Unfortunately, we live in a world where money is a major part of growing up. You have to have money in order to live and survive. Unfortunately, that's the way of today's world, more so in America more than anything. Because, you know, in, in other countries, there may be more support for you and more support systems for you to be able to, you know, be a pro magic player or a pro esport player or anything like that but when you're in your late teens early 20s you really have to sit down and think is this a smart idea for me you know because you have to start investing into your future at those ages especially at those ages those are such defining years for people that you really need to ask yourself is this a good idea for me you know am I going to be doing this when I'm 40 or 50 you know what am I going to do in the meantime if I if I'm not successful Am I going to have to have a job or a career? And what kind of job or career am I going to be doing? Yes, this is Daddy Zuby coming on and lecturing everybody here. Um, you know, you just really have to think about your future and whether is it a smart idea. And I see, and especially with magic, I mean, let's be honest here. When I've read some of those articles where, you know, like some pro players, they're struggling to make ends meet, and they're some of the top tier pros, and they're barely pulling in forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, you may win a pro tour or grand prix, and you know that's twenty, thirty, forty grand right there, but in the large scheme of things, that's not a lot of money. Forty grand for a nineteen, twenty year old, yeah, that's a lot of money, right? Hell, I would love to have forty grand right now. You know, hell, I, I could pay off some bills with that stuff, you know, but it's in the grand scheme of things. If I was only making 40 grand a year, that's not a lot of money to add because you, you, you have to look at it and you're not going to be getting 40 grand if you start becoming a pro magic player. Right. And, and a lot, what a lot of players have said is that money is not guaranteed to begin with. If you finish what? top 64 you get like three four hundred bucks or something like that if that at a gp oh that may have paid for your plane ticket maybe you know and that's it you're out money at that point so without getting into too much finance the finance financial part of it or in the finances of it you know i think what people really need to do if you're listening and you're really wanting to be a pro magic player you really need to think about it and say to yourself and ask yourself is this a smart idea? Should I become a pro magic player right now? And do I have the means to support myself to do so? And, you know, just write, write it down, write down what you want to be when you grow up. And if pro magic player is one of those, figure out the logistics of it, do your research and figure out, is this a smart idea for me? and read and ask other pro players what it's like. Um, I think Paulo, I, I keep messing up his name, Paulo Vitor 
Paulo Vitor Damo de Rosa. Uh, he has a podcast, and I think he just recently released an episode about the struggles of being a pro player. I need to listen to it, and um, it's and you know I've read other articles from him and from other players, and, and just like I read this, and I'm like, why why would you want to you know put yourself through this for so little gain? Now the experiences had are probably next to none. Right, I'm sure the experience of being a pro Magic player, going to all these different places, is amazing. Right, but like I said, you have to think about your future. Think now, prepare now for it, because if you're gonna wait until you're 40, 50, 40 or 50 to really start thinking about your future, and then think about retirement as well too, you're gonna be in a heap of trouble because you're not gonna have that much time left at that point. So, that's that's Daddy Zuby and his um little rant about being a pro magic player um so yeah um some other things i wanted to talk about just with the pro scene and what i would like to see the community do and this is something that uh starcraft has done for a long time and i'm not sure if it's done so much now but it was done a lot in its infancy especially with the american starcraft 2 scene was so a lot of the tournaments that I see being streamed are all paper magic, which that's fine. There are very few online tournaments being streamed, and for good reason, because magic online is not the prettiest thing to look at, nor is it the easiest to try to stream a tournament on there, because when I see the the vintage Super League or the standard Super League that Randy Bueller does, it's it doesn't look like it's a pretty setup at all. So one thing that I would love to see happen are more streamed tournaments online maybe even on paper now i know there are some lgs's out there that do stream online tournaments and you know that is great for them that's awesome that's really awesome but one of the things i would also like to see is maybe some more online tournaments get streamed on twitch and really try to build a community out of that now one of the attractions for that in order to try to get that done is there's gonna have to be some money behind it now what i've seen in the past with starcraft tournaments and some other leagues have done is they'll do cash prizes like a hundred dollars cash prize for whoever wins or whatever or maybe and and you know i'm not saying hey for joe blow to start investing money into this but if you get a following maybe you can build it up and get more people into it to um get more cash flow into it you know, and maybe get sponsors and all that. It's it's something that I that I haven't really seen done. And if there is people, if there are people doing it out there, awesome. I just never see it streamed on Twitch a lot. Um, but it would be cool to see that where, you know, some local stream tournaments and maybe build up some popular online players and you know build stories. Like I said, in these tournaments can just be eight people, and you know, first place gets fifty bucks or something like that. I don't know. You know, it's it it would it would really cultivate more of the online kind of competitive community instead of just the pros, too, right? So that's just something I would like to see done here. And yeah, so those are a lot of my thoughts. Uh, that was a Daddy Zuby rant. That was a um, big rant there. And um, so next we are gonna do Q and A. Okay. All right. Q&A time. All right, so this is Q&A. Um, had a really good Q&A session last week, and you guys just asked me even more questions this week. So 
and um, yeah, let's just get started with it. Max Diamond asks, what is my favorite card from M19? <sighs> my favorite card from N19 would probably be the new Tezzeret Planeswalker, um, if I had to guess here. Hold on, let me pull up the card here. I, sh I should have brought this up before. It's just, uh, I, I, re I read the questions, but I didn't really think of bringing this up. So let me pull up the Tezzeret Planeswalker here. And it is, I talked about this before a couple weeks ago, Tezzeret Artifice Master. And it is the three, two blue Planeswalker with five loyalty, plus one create a one, one Thopter token with flying. But the zero is draw a card. If you control three or more artifacts, draw two cards instead. Ooh, that's going to be super spicy. Um, and then the ultimate is negative nine. You get an emblem at the beginning of your end step, search your library for a permanent card, put it on the battlefield and shuffle your library. So that's not bad either. It's sort of like a planar bridge effect. Um, so that would have to be my favorite card of M19. Max Diamond also, aka Jungle Fiver, um, who is a patron by the way, thank you very much for that, uh, also asked, does Brawl have a future? So this question came up because recently there was someone at GP Barcelona who won Brawl's um, little side event by default because he was the only one who signed up for it and so that started sparking some people like oh does brawl have a future does brawl have a future so anytime a new format is introduced it's always going to be hard to get people to play it uh tiny leaders was a big one uh, frontier and a lot of those formats are starting to not be played as much anymore i know when frontier came out my area like oh my gosh everybody was playing frontier and same with tiny leaders as well and then a few months later everybody was just going back to standard and edh now brawl brawl is essentially a 60 card edh format with the standard card pool and do i think it has a future i think it would have a better future if it was supported by mtg arena um, I think that's where Brawl's future honestly lies in MTG Arena. I don't think it has that much of a future in paper or on Magic Online. Th those are just my opinions on it. Not that people aren't playing it, but just from the general feeling that I'm getting, there's just not a lot of people playing it here. So, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on it. Um, Man Cave MTG asks, Is there anything Wizards can do to make the community happy? Yes, make more cards. <laughs> keep releasing good sets um don't release too many sets because there have been the past few years it seems like there's been a lot of set fatigue and um so i mean what wh what does wizards owe to the community i mean wizards does a lot for the community when you really think about it it's they they are a company that constantly releases new product it's constantly making the game more exciting every three months essentially and i mean what what more can they do um i'm not sure i mean hey start doing player rewards again where everybody gets cool cards but i mean i don't know um he also asked what can be done to make the standard format more appealing for both new and experienced players the challenger decks is a great start to making standard format more appealing to new players because um, that is a very cheap entry point to get into standard because you can take those challenger decks and play right away um, so they need to do more challenger decks uh, keep doing the challenger decks because they were freaking awesome I loved them and for experienced players I mean standard is 
the most played format, uh, especially if you want to be a pro Magic player and get onto the Pro Tour, you're going to have to play Standard. Um, I mean, I guess to make it even more appealing for people that are just playing Modern and Legacy and don't care about Standard, keep releasing more powerful cards. Don't make it feel neutered. Now, they are doing that. They, they are making a better effort to make Standard Magic feel more powerful because it has for a while felt a bit neutered for like the past couple years. But since Kaladesh has come out, they're doing a better job at making more powerful answers and more powerful cards and more powerful threats. Um, then he also asked, when will the timing be right to make a format similar to Frontier? I ask, since if Magic continues to make sets for years to come, it only makes sense to have another Eternal format after Modern. Modern. Um, I've heard talks of them, not not Wizards, but I've heard talks that it would make more sense for them to start a new Modern after Magic Origins and on. Um, and when will the timing be right? I mean, hell, the timing would be right now, uh, to be honest, if I had to really take a guess, because Modern is getting to the point where it's getting really, really expensive to keep up with, and the prices are just going up and up and up. Um, so... I mean, I say now and start with Magic Origins. I know a lot of people say M15, but do we really want Siege Rhino back in a format to be popular? And do we really want Fetchlands? I mean, that's just going to make the prices go up. I mean, I, I say start with Origins, to be honest. Um, EDH Academy asks, why hasn't Watsi made Commander a formal constructed format? Now, from what I understand, it is a formal constructed format unless you're... I guess I don't understand, unless you're meaning like 1v1 Commander, maybe? Because, I mean, you can play Commander at FNM now. I mean, they, they made that change where you can play almost any format for FNM. Um, so I guess I don't really understand that question. Um, and what do you mean by a formal constructed format, too? You know, um, I, I guess... I guess I'd have to understand that question a little bit more. And then a, a follow-up question by EDH Academy. Why hasn't Commander been announced as Magic's one true format? Um, it kind of has been. It's just not a lot of people know about that announcement yet. It's coming, though. Um, Andrew Flory at the Unseen 89 asks, What is your favorite non-basic land card and why? My favorite non-basic land card... Um, first thing that comes to mind, like first thing that just popped up in my head because I thought I had an answer before, but first thing that pops up in my head is Darksteel Citadel, uh, the artifact land that's indestructible and you can add, you know, one colorless to your mana pool. Um, why is that my favorite land card? Because back in M15, when M15 first came out, there was nothing more fun than being able to create a turn two, five, five indestructible with Insoul Artifact and Darksteel Citadel. That's my favorite. It's probably my favorite non-basic land card. So yeah, there you go. Um, at Win Target Game ask, which ban and legacy do you think will be more impactful? Deathrite Shaman or Gitaxian Probe? I'm leaning towards Probe just because it can go into any deck. I will really have to say Deathrite Shaman is going to be more impactful because that stops a lot of graveyard hate. Or I mean, stops a lot of graveyard strategies. And it also kind of stops Snapcaster Mage almost being a thing in Legacy as well, too. So I would have to say Deathrite Shaman, to be honest. Um, 
All right, last set of questions here, and they are by Pappy Popper. Um, and I did tell him that I'm not too big on Popper. And I mean, I do play it, but I'm not that well versed in the metagame. So he asked, Do you see Watsy re adding the standard Popper filter on MTGO? Um, I mean, I didn't even know they took it off. I thought it was always there, but if it's not there anymore, do you see them re-adding it? I mean, the only time I, I'll, I see them re-adding it is if there's a big clamor for demand, and is there a big demand for it? I mean, do you want to play standard popper? Um, what rationale should Watsi use in determining this decision? Um, yeah, If there's a big player demand for it, if people are petitioning for it, like, hey, I want standard popper to be put back on there. How can Watsi lord over a popper ban list while not including it as an officially recognized tournament format? Um, how can Watsi lord over a popper ban list while not including it as an officially recognized tournament format? And that always is a bit strange because it's so popular on Magic Online, and now, especially this year, it's gotten more popular at GPs and SCG Opens. It's, I mean. I don't know what the holdup is. Why doesn't Watsi just say, hey, here is the official popper ban list? Because from what I understand, there is a different ban list for paper and there's a different ban list for online because some cards online were not printed or some cards in paper or wait, no, which way is it? There are some cards online that are not available, but they are available in paper format. Yeah, right. Um, I, I'm getting myself confused here. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why. it's they, they need to do that. They just need to say, hey, here's the ban list. Boom, done. Um, that said, do you foresee any future bans in Popper? That I don't know. Like I said, I don't follow the Popper meta that closely, so I don't really know if there will be a future ban. Um, would there ever be a restricted card on the Popper list? Maybe. Um now, I I mean, Popper is pretty much vintage light, and I could see them maybe adding a restricted card, but I think more so than anything, they would just ban it instead of restrict it. Have newer common cards slid under the NWO watch like Attune with Aether? Now, Attune with Aether was designed before they had the play design team, and have newer common cards slid under the NWO watch like Attune with Aether? Um, I mean common cards now are a lot more power powerful than they were years ago J just overall generally overall now there's not to say there weren't powerful common cards back then um but now it, it's it's hard to say because i i guess we'd have to wait and see because especially with the play design team We'll just have to see if there are any that have slid under the watch. Um, that I, I can't really say with that. Um, and last one, does Watsi's reprints on already standard legal common cards like Miscloaked Herald, Raptor Commanding Le Legion Conquistador represent laziness, a focus on limited, neglect of popper, or something else? I think it would be a focus on limited. And a lot of the cards that he mentions have been cards that have been printed in multiple sets like Raptor Companion and Legion Conquistador were both in Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan and a lot of that has to do with I would have to guess would be a focus on limited it's every set that they're coming out with now you know they have so many formats that they try to balance here but probably one of the most important is making a good limited environment and I mean I agree more with reprinting Legion Conquistador 
in Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan than I do Raptor Companion. But, I mean, I don't know. So, yeah, it's I, I don't think it represents laziness. I think it's a focus on limited more than anything. So that is all the questions I had for this week's show. And I would like to thank each and every one of you for listening, watching, um, even asking those questions. If you want to ask questions to this show, um, feel free to email me at mtgzubi at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at magicwithzubi. There's also the Facebook at facebook.com slash magicwithzubi. Once again, this show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Don't forget my other podcasts at VCR Gaming Podcast, where me and my buddy Matt talk about games, just video games in general, and how we're all miserable and old and realizing that games are just not for us anymore, and we're trying to cling on and hold on desperately to those feelings of video games. So we are, um, and there's a car honking because, you know, why not? And um, yeah, so that does it for today's show here. And I just want to thank you again for listening and watching and have a great day. Okay.